Pew Research came out with a new poll recently on religion. So I wanted to give it a read because it's actually pretty relevant. It's pretty important. And something else I want to make note of real quick. American Atheists is sponsoring a poll that I would appreciate if you guys went and took the poll. It's supposed to be something like this poll that we're looking at right now. I'll put a link to the poll in the description, so just take a look around for that. So let's let's take a look at this poll that Pew Research has been doing, or this research that they've been doing. See what it has to say. The title of it, by the way, it's on Pew's uh, website. Title is, In U.S., Decline of Christianity Continues at Rapid Pace. And it was released on October 17th, 2019. It says, The religious landscape of the U.S. continues to change at a rapid clip. In Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted in 2018 and 2019, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, down 12 percentage points over the past decade. Okay, so it used to be 77%, I guess. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated share of the population, consisting of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, now stands at 26%, up from 17% in 2009. Both Protestantism and Catholicism are experiencing losses of population share. Currently, 43% of U.S. adults identify with Protestantism, down from 51% in 2009, and one in five adults, or 20%, are Catholic, down from 23% in 2009. Meanwhile, all subsets of the religiously unaffiliated population, a group also known as religious nuns, quote-unquote, have, uh, have seen their numbers swell. Self-described atheists now account for 4% of U.S. adults, up modestly but significantly from 2% in 2009. Agnostics make up 5% of U.S. adults, up from 3% a decade ago, and 17% of Americans now describe their religion as nothing in particular, up from 12% in 2009. Members of non-Christian religions also have grown modestly as a share of the adult population. That's actually a pretty big deal. The percentage of people who claim to be atheist, just outright atheist, are typically going to be part of this community in, in one way or another. It said it's 4% of, the, of U.S. adults. That's, that is pretty significant. Uh, there was a time when 43% of the U.S. population believed that Noah's Ark was a real, literal story. I don't know what that is now. It may tell us in a few minutes. Another thing is the fact that a lot of these people who are giving up religion, basically, like it says, I think it said 20, what is it, like 26% of the country says nothing in particular. Religious nuns, they may have turned in their religious nature for spirituality, quote-unquote. If they turned in their, their religious nature for spirituality, it, it means they could be getting into more new-agey stuff that's fairly popular in a lot of densely populated areas like California and things like that. So I wouldn't count it as a complete win, but it you know, we're making ground here. We're we're winning against extremism at the very least. That number is down, so I'm happy to see that. Just taking a look at the charts here, it says, uh, in U.S., smaller share of adults identify as Christians while religious nuns have grown. And it, it, it's got a couple of pictures of some charts here. 
Protestants and Catholics shrinking as share of U.S. population. All subsets of nuns are growing. It's very promising. Let's continue reading. These are among the key findings of a new analysis of trends in the religious composition and church-going habits of the American public, based on recent Pew Research Center random digit dial, RDD, political polling on the telephone. The data shows that the trend toward religious disaffiliation documented in the center's 2007 and 2014 religious landscape studies, and before that in major national studies like the General Social Survey, GSS, has continued apace. So it's, it's a trend that we can kind of map. It's a trend we see happening, the drop of religiousness or religiosity, if you will, in the U.S. That's a good sign. Pew Research Center's 2007 and 2014 religious landscape studies were huge national RDD surveys, each of which included interviews with more than 35,000 respondents who were asked dozens of detailed questions about their religious identities, beliefs, and practices. The center has not yet conducted a third such study, and when the landscape study is repeated, it's likely to use new methods that may prevent it from being directly comparable to the previous studies. Growing challenges to conducting national surveys by telephone have led to the center to rely increasingly on self-administered surveys conducted online. That's a little bit of a problem. Uh, when you're looking at polls like this, you gotta think about the methodology. It's a really, really big deal. Like th they're saying here, they had random digit dial pol political polling on the telephone. If they're getting their data about who is what from landlines, who has landlines? It's largely um, the older community, like younger people, say people under 45, 50, don't have landlines. I don't have a landline. I, I, I don't think I've ever had a landline in my life, maybe for a solid month. It's very skewed in the direction, in that direction. They're not really polling U.S. adults, necessarily. They're polling U.S. adults over the age of X or Y. You got to take this with a grain of salt, certainly, but it, it is an indicator that it's dropping anyways. And I saw a second ago they mentioned, um, okay, it says here, growing challenges to conducting national surveys by telephone have led to the center have led the center to rely increasingly on self-administered surveys conducted online. Again, who is online taking these surveys largely? Where are you presenting them? How are you giving them to people? How are you making them available to people? It's going to skew the results. There's a, a big complicated thing about polling. It, it's like you'd think the more people that you get involved in the polling, the more accurate it would be, right? But that's not actually true. After a certain point, the bigger your sample size gets, the less accurate the results are. It's complicated, and it takes a lot of work and research and skilled people to understand the results and what the margin of error would be and things like that. So anyway, going on with the article, it says... While no new religious landscape studies available or in the immediate offing... The center has collected five additional years of data since the 2014 landscape study from RDD political polls. Again, RDD is random digit dialing. 
the samples from these political polls are not as large as the landscape studies, even when all of the political polls conducted any year are combined. But together, 88 surveys from 2009 and 2019 included interviews with 168,890 Americans. That's a fairly big sample size. But like I said, bigger is in terms of sample size does not mean more accurate. There are people who go to school for like eight years to get a PhD in mathematics to understand how this whole polling thing works and, and margins of error and accuracy and everything. It's very, very complex. These surveys do not include nearly as many questions about religion as the landscape studies do. However, as part of the demographic battery of questions that ask respondents about their age, race, educational attainment, and other background characteristics, each of these political polls also include one basic question about religious identity. What is your present religion, if any? Are you Protestant, Roman Catholic, Mormon, Orthodox, uh, such as Greek or Russian Orthodox, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, something else, or nothing in particular? Weird they included Mormonism in there, but not Jehovah's Witnesses, because they're similar size. They're both really kind of honestly odd groups with odd beliefs. Um, maybe, I guess Mormonism is just a little bit more mainstream than Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't know. Anyway. Additionally, most of these political polls include a question about religious attendance. Aside from weddings and funerals, how often do you attend religious services? More than once a week, once a week, once or twice a month, a few times a year, seldom or never. Taken together, these two questions, one about religious identity, the other about religious attendance, can help shed light on religious trends in the U.S. The article is an interesting read, to say the least, and you guys should definitely give it a look. Uh, this one from Turnip. Important question for you, Telltale. Cereal first or milk first? <laughs> okay. I actually went to school for chemistry for a while, for like a year, before I ended up getting into substance abuse counseling as my major. And everybody knows you're supposed to add the dry material first, then the wet material. So there you go. Uh, this one coming from a user named Yours Truly. Uh, do you believe Jesus really existed? No. Um, there are, there, this is a hotly debated topic. Okay, I have this book here. And I'm a little proud of it. Kind of cool that I own it. No big deal. It's called um, On the Historicity of Jesus by Richard Carrier. And actually, it's signed by Richard Carrier. Signed to me. Telltale. There, there's an honest debate about whether or not Jesus is a real person. And the debate is largely carried between two major scholars in the field. Richard Carrier, this guy, and Bart Ehrman. Now, they're both atheists. Neither of them believe in God. But Bart Ehrman actually argues that Jesus was a real person. That he was just kind of, you know, the legend was kind of built up over time and blown out of proportion and everything. I don't have enough evidence to claim that Jesus existed. So I'm just going to default to disbelief until proven otherwise. That's kind of the position I take with it. And it's this, it, I take the same position with God. I don't have enough evidence to say whether or not God is real. 
So I'm just going to default to not believing it until somebody provides evidence. And I will honestly listen when somebody tries to give me evidence of it. I will honestly assess it, honestly consider it. If I don't, then I, I'm not being honest with myself. So anyway, I don't think Jesus is a real person. It's possible he was, but I'm open to hearing about it. So uh, This one coming from me. Uh, what inspired you to start doing a podcast? Oh, <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, uh, Potato, for the question. Honestly, I liked being in front of... I liked people listening to what I had to say. I liked the fact that people liked listening to me, I guess you could say. And there came a point with my YouTube channel where I was making my living off of it. Like, I was bringing in money that I had to use to pay for groceries and gas. And there came a point where I couldn't really fuck around with it anymore. I had to take it seriously, and I had to be extremely careful what I say on it. Because saying the wrong thing on the YouTube channel could ruin my career, pretty much. Um, it would lose interest in the channel, it would lose interest in my brand, piss people off, things like that. And I, I know that that's the case, that that would happen, because I actually did release a YouTube video a while back about Republicans and Trump and things like that, and I actually went negative in subscribers for a few days straight there. I actually lost subscribers because I talked about politics. So I decided I wanted to keep my YouTube channel above board and about a specific subject, and I would create this other platform where I could say whatever I want to say and not give a shit if it loses subscribers or not. I can talk about politics to my heart's content on the podcast and not give a shit what people think about it. This is just who I am and this is how it is. And if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. That's totally 100% fine with me. Uh, so in the end, that's why I decided to create the podcast. Also, I kind of wanted to extend my reach into other areas. Also, also, in addition to all that, my cousin actually messaged me and asked me to start one. So, all right, I'll tell you what. Actually, I got some super chats. So let me just give these a read real quick. First one is from We of Little Faith. Thank you, We of Little Faith. I really appreciate that. Religious nuns, not to be confused with religious nuns, N-U-N-S. Yeah. Definitely don't want to be confused with religious N-U-N-S. Um, that is very true. Religious nuns are people who, N-O-N-E-S, people who don't identify with the religion in any way. Um, they just marked none on the survey asking what their religion is. That's, that's a throwback to the previous article we were reading. Next super chat is Nervardia. Random fact for you. Did you know that the first mass spectrometers were cathode ray tubes? It also caused a paradigm shift to show that uh, neutrons had mass. Uh, here, check this interesting little factoid out. I'll give you another random fun fact. I hope this fun fact isn't wrong. I'll tell you what. I will give you guys two fun facts under the condition you promise me that you will, like, Google the second fun fact to guarantee that I'm not wrong on this. Because I don't want to be wrong. I'm, I'm very sure it's correct, but just... Take it with a grain of salt. Fun fact number one is 100% true. Sharks have existed for longer than trees. That's one of my favorite fun facts of all time, I think. Sharks have existed for longer than trees. Fun fact number two. Electrons were discovered 
by putting an ice cube in front of an x-ray. I think that's pretty awesome because you could actually see the movement to some degree. And anyway, Google that one to be super extra sure it's correct because I'm, I'm pretty confident. I just don't want to be wrong about it. And you wander around like giving out this fun fact. This is totally not true at all. Uh, next super chat. Sorry, got that wrong. People only thought radioactive materials could form isotopes. My bad. You lied to me um, right after I possibly lied to you. So it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> we get things wrong sometimes. First up coming from Sharkin. Uh, what do you think about churches, mosques, and et cetera being exempt from tax laws? What do I think about churches, mosques, et cetera um, being exempt from tax laws? have a really really big problem with the fact that they're they're exempt from tax laws because in the US they're they're basically a subsidy to give to a group that is doing something good for the public giving something to the public that they wouldn't have otherwise so 501c3 corporations like nonprofits can totally get behind tax exempt status for that uh, there's a no-kill shelter near me that is tax-exempt, 100% for that, you know? They take these animals in that were owned by drug dealers and mistreated and cannot be rehomed, like these dogs, for example. They are rabid because they've been so terribly mistreated. So this no-kill shelter will take care of these dogs for the rest of their lives, just keep them away from people pretty much, and they, and they will not kill them. I'm so 100% for that company having tax-exempt status. It's a, it's a government subsidy is, is what it is. But when you, get, when you come to religions, what public good are they giving people? What are they providing to society in all seriousness? Like, think about Jehovah's Witnesses. What good are they providing to society? You could make an argument that some churches are going out and doing community service by cleaning up parks or whatever. And you may be able to justify nonprofit status for that. But what are Jehovah's Witnesses doing? They're doing nothing for society. They only ever help other Jehovah's Witnesses. They never help the normal, standard, typical public. I've told this story before, but just in case anybody's here listening who wasn't here when I told it. When Hurricane Katrina hit, I was a kid. I was like a teenager, very young teenager, like 12, 13 kind of thing. And there were some people from my congregation who were signing up to help rebuild homes in, um, in Louisiana. I, di- I think I ended up signing up, but they didn't need me. But in the end... I found out that they weren't going there to rebuild people's homes, actually. That's what they said they were doing. They were going there to rebuild Jehovah's Witnesses' homes, not standard, regular outsiders' homes. They never donate to any charities that are not Jehovah's Witness. They never do anything to help the outside world, only other Jehovah's Witnesses. And they get their, they keep their nonprofit status by saying that they contribute to the public by helping them out like that. When I was in high school, I was trying to get volunteer hours for some class or something. 
they count that door-to-door knocking that they do as volunteer work. And I actually counted that in high school as volunteer work. That is a joke to me. That should, that should be illegal, seriously. They're, not, they're helping people by bringing them into the religion. That's ridiculous. They should not be able to count that as volunteer work. It, it really gets to me when I hear that churches have nonprofit status like that. It, it's a government subsidy. They should be able to prove that they're providing a, couple, a public good. Jehovah's Witnesses could not prove that if they were forced to. Scientology could not prove that if they were forced to. There are a lot of religions out there that would lose their nonprofit status if their feet were actually held to the fire like they should be. Uh, this one coming from Oriax. Telltale, do you think religion should be taught in school? If so, to what degree? If not, how secular should we make schools? Um, well, schools are an extension of the government. I mean, they're run by the government. so And the government is supposed to be very secular. So I, I don't think that religion should have absolutely any place in school. Like, zero. Religion shouldn't be in school at all. If you want to talk about like the, the history of humanity and the psychology of religion in psychology class, uh, that would be okay with me. If you want to talk about the history of religion in history class, that would be okay with me. Um, if you want to present it as anything outside of just psychology or history, then I'm going to have an issue with it. I told this story recently too, but uh, a while back, Kylie actually came home from school with a bring your Bible to school day, like tract or whatever, just a, a flyer. She came home with this uh, bring your Bible to school day thing. And I was like, Where, who gave you this? Where did this come from? She said her teacher gave it to her. I was like, that's just a clear violation of the establishment clause. You can't have a school promoting religious literature. Well, it turns out what happened was her teacher was handing out literature from a school-sponsored club, which is the Good News Club, the Christian Club. And that was legal. It was 100% legal to give out literature from a school-sponsored club. So there's your loophole. They found a way around that whole situation, disturbingly. But honestly, I, I'm just sitting here waiting for Kylie's school to overstep. And the moment they, they do something stupid that, that's actually questionable, legally questionable, I'm going to destroy them. I will give out the phone number of the school board in this area and start a phone calling campaign, the likes of which this school board has never seen in their lives. Their phones will be busy for three months. They will have tens of thousands of people calling in. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for them to break the law. So, not a huge fan of religion in schools. Pisses me off a lot, honestly. Catherine Knight Diaz, why are you skeptical of Kylie's school? Stuff happen? Stuff happens at her school sometimes. Like, for example, the, the Bring Your Bible to School Day flyer. They also had... Um, an elf on the shelf in her classroom recently. And as innocent as that seems, it's promoting one religion over another. How do you think the Jewish kid felt having a, an elf on the shelf in the classroom? How do you think the Muslim kid felt by that? Probably felt like shit. I'm not a huge fan of 
any kind of religious anything in schools because it makes people feel like shit sometimes, honestly. It hurts the self-esteem of some of the kids there who aren't Christian, like the Jewish kids, the Muslim kids, the atheist kids, because they are watching everybody in the classroom take part in something that they are not taking part in. I Let me tell you this story. I remember when I was younger, there was this whole Valentine's Day thing. Everybody made these little pouches, and they hung these pouches on the sides of their desk, and then they, they took, like, construction paper and made Valentine's for everybody. And guess who couldn't? Guess who had to sit there while everybody else handed out Valentine's to everybody else? I had to sit there and go through that. It sucks. It's wrong for a kid to have to sit through some kind of a, an event that they can't take part in, but that literally everybody else in the classroom is taking part in. And that's why I would, first of all, you should be sending them to the principal's office instead of letting them sit in the classroom and watch that shit happen. But if it's something like an elf on the shelf, what do you do? That, that, that elf is going to be there and, you know, a part of the classroom experience for a couple of months. What do you do? You can't send the kid to the principal through the entire class for two months. You shouldn't be doing it. You should not be setting up any kind of religious practice in the classroom, period. I don't care how cutesy it is. You're isolating people, and it's wrong. The next super chat is from We Have a Little Faith again. Now I kind of want to see Kylie's school do something to violate church and state, just so we can watch Telltale, Telltale destroy them. Yeah, I would destroy them. Honestly, I thought about doing something over the elf on the shelf thing, but I felt like if I'm going to do a call to action for my user base where I want them to, you know, take action and take part in activism, it's going to be, it's going to have to be something more serious than an elf on the shelf. As pissed off as that made me. That teacher doesn't teach at her school anymore anyways. So that's some level of consolation. But it, it still gets to me a lot. Um, the next super chat, again, from We Have a Little Faith. Thank you so much. What does religion contribute to society? Let's see. Guilt, shame, self-hatred, and that sweet, sweet homophobia. Tax the fuck out of churches. 100% agree with you on that. If they cannot demonstrate a public good that they are providing to the public, they should not be getting subsidized by the government. And even that, honestly, it feels to me like it's kind of violating the Establishment Clause. Religion and government should be kept completely separate from each other. They should not be connected in any way, shape, or form. And the government is subsidizing religion right now, and that's a little bit concerning. But what can you do? The title of this is Jehovah's Witnesses Announce Plans to Build Giant Media Center Despite Recent Spotlight on Abuse Allegations. So let's give this a read, see what it has to say. Oh my God, ads. I don't care about Lotrimin Ultra. Ugh, go away, ads, please. I don't care about GMC. Oh my God, this is so frustrating. That's a oh, now it's playing sound. Now it's playing sound. I cannot possibly express to you guys how much I hate 
things that <laughs> play random sounds into my ear while I'm trying to do something. Ugh, it's so frustrating. Oh my God. This is why I have YouTube Premium. So I don't have to put up with ads and the creators still get paid. Anyway, let's give this a read to what it has to say. The Jehovah's Witnesses announced plans to build a 1.5 million square foot audiovisual production center in upstate New York, two miles away from the Witnesses headquarters in Warwick. The organization plans to create more videos with parenting advice, I think it meant to say, despite a recent bombshell investigation alleging wide-scale child abuse and cover-ups. Robert Zick, a Jehovah's Witnesses spokesman, told the Times-Herald record that the media center is a response to the general public's growing increase of interest in the Jehovah's Witnesses videos, specifically ones offering parenting advice and how to live a principled life. New content is planned to be available in multiple languages. Yeah. Okay, let, let, let me just read that last bit again. It says... It's a response to the general public's growing increase of interest in the Jehovah's Witnesses videos, specifically ones offering parenting advice and how to live a principled life. Okay, they're talking about the Caleb and Sophia videos, FYI. That's, that's what they're referring to. I don't buy it. The public does not give a shit about your stupid videos. Jehovah's Witnesses might. They're actually kind of expected to play some of those videos at the door. Like... Sometimes they'll find a kid at, at the door and they'll pull up one of the Caleb and Sophia videos and show it to the kid and they cover it up like it's this whole, you know, just good advice anybody can give to anybody. That's BS. It's not about that at all. That's complete BS. It's just indoctrination tools is all it is. It's disgusting. Uh, Mr. Atheist asked me to do a video on his channel recently, like a guest video about my life story. I had actually considered doing a Caleb and Sophia video and decided against it. I decided, well, he asked me to, instead of doing Caleb and Sophia, he asked me to tell my life story. I'm actually pretty happy with how that one turned out, but yeah, I, I should really do another Caleb and Sophia video sometime soon. Anyway, this says, um, the organization's outreach is now supplementing its traditional door-to-door -door approach by putting more money and manpower behind producing online content in response to the rise and reach of social media platforms. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. They're, they've always tried to be cutting edge and new about how they do things. Like they had the sound cars back in like the, the 1900s, early 1900s with like phonograph horns on top. They'd even carry phonographs like portable ones to the door and put on phonograph records and everybody was like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's so cool. Of course I'll listen to the message. A lot of these people never even seen a phonograph before, you know. Uh, so it does not surprise me at all that they're trying to be on the technological cutting edge, quote unquote. The article goes on to say, we're ramping up production in response to heavy demand. I bet heavy demand. Yeah. Of audiovisual offerings, Zick said. People find these materials to be useful, so we're putting more resources behind them, and we're putting everything under one roof. Yeah, these people drive me nuts. It won't just be audio and visual equipment under that roof. The witnesses are also designing the new media center to be livable. It will have residences, a fitness center, and underground parking. Currently, approximately 1,000 volunteers live and work in the 1.6 million square foot headquarters. An additional 1,000 volunteers are expected to take up residency in the new center once it's finished. It might take up to five years for the complex to be completed. At the organization's annual meeting on October 5th, 
It was announced that construction will begin in 2022 and finish at the end of 2026. I find it fascinating that they're basically investing in this long-term project. This is a long-term project they're doing here. When they fearmonger about the end being right around the corner so much. Like, you'd, you'd think that they wouldn't bother doing this because, I mean, it's going to take too long. The end will be here before then, right? But here they are building it. I find that super interesting. But notice here it said, the witnesses are also designing the new media center to be livable. It'll have residences, a fitness center, and underground parking. So it's basically a new Bethel, is what it is. They, they have a headquarters in Warwick that they built recently. That's basically where all of the Jehovah's Witnesses live who do all of the work, the writing, the printing, the lawyers, the everything. They all live on this compound in Warwick. And they have another compound in Wallkill and a third in Patterson. So this is in um, Patterson, New York. All three are in New York. So this, this one, this media center, I guess, I think, where did they say it was going in? Oh, it's just going to be two miles away from Warwick. So it's another, it's in Warwick, I guess. It's just two miles from their Warwick location. And it's, it's just going to be right next to Warwick. It's going to be another Bethel. I, I've told this story before, but when I went to Warwick and Patterson to visit, like with Genetically Modified Skeptic, and we did the whole documentary thing, what creeped me out about the whole thing is that everything was so closed off like it was like a it was it was a compound it was just a straight up compound is what it was it was really really creepy there were gates that guard there was a guard tower and the gates would they they had to let the gate up to get in and they had to let the gate up to get out too. Now, I understand there's this fear of people, you know, driving in the exit or whatever. But honestly, if people are going to drive in the exit, they're not going to give a shit about this little tiny thing, like this little, this, this gate that's, they're just going to blow through it. I don't know. I just don't buy it. It was just extremely creepy, the whole thing. They were all plastic and smiley and, and their tone of voice was off. Everything about it was all off. It was not normal. They don't interact with the outside world hardly ever unless they're going knocking on doors. It was just really, really weird. I guess they're pouring their resources into the media center thing because they realize that Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on doors is not an efficient way of bringing people in. And maybe this social media indoctrination thing is a little bit more efficient. That's a possibility. But either way, as long as I'm out there countering all of the bullshit they're coming out with, as long as Mr. Atheist is out there countering it, I don't care. Just give me more material. I haven't had a new Caleb and Sophia video to debunk in a while. I've been waiting. So send it out and I'll debunk it. I got another super chat I wanted to read. Let's see here. This one is from Nervardia again. The electron was discovered by J.J. Thompson by using a CRT as well. Cathode ray tube. CRT stands for cathode ray tube. There's a VE plus VE charged plate on the tube, which pulls negative VE charged ions towards it. Super interesting. I know a little bit about um, like CRT TVs and how they operate and stuff, just because I'm into retro gaming and and other reasons like that. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Appreciate the super chat. Very very interesting. One more. There's a comment from We of Little Faith. 
who said um, they're going to go bankrupt before this media center is complete. I hope so, but I honestly don't know. Um, they're very, very smart when it comes to moving money around. So you got to factor that into it. It's kind of concerning. But you know what? Like I said, as long as they're alive and pushing their propaganda, I'm going to be here pushing right back. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I'm trying to make a shirt design for every cult I've covered. I haven't gotten every one, but I'm working on it. So check it out and see if your cult is up there. Second, you can support me by checking out my game shop. I sell controller, cartridge, and game box stands for every system from the original Nintendo and Sega Game Gear to the Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. So give that a look too. And finally, if you want to support me in some way other than monetarily, you can check out my other YouTube channels. I have a retro game channel where I answer questions like, why does Shy Guy have a mask? And why are CRT TVs the best way to play retro games? I also have the podcast where I talk about stuff I don't feel I can say on a monetized channel. And finally, I have my main channel, where I talk about cults. I wish I didn't have to worry about dancing around subjects carefully in the first place, but I chose to do this as a full-time job, so unfortunately, I rely on YouTube's AdSense and on the support of patrons to continue doing the work I do. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.